This is Bucks Breakfast. Let's take a look then at today's front pages. Jonathan, what's caught your eye this morning? I want to take you back to the 1970s. Well, that's what The Guardian are thinking anyway. Britain's bin crisis and what it says about us. That's going to make cheerful reading, isn't it? See uh, uh, G2 in The Guardian. And uh, on one of the other papers, um, yeah, there we are, on The Telegraph, uh, one of their comment, uh, Judith Woods, the customer is no longer king in 1970s-style Britain. Mm. I think that there's a little bit of a consensus among the commentators that what with uh, potential energy uh, prices going up and up and up and up and shortages of food, it's all very reminiscent of... Of the 1970s and yesterday one of the papers actually had crisis what crisis as their headline oh really i no, think the, the, one. the bin crisis is to do with the hgv drivers isn't it and uh, them mm. not being able to collect the the food waste separately and certainly around here in uh, chilterns and the wickham district we're being asked to continue to put our food waste in with our our general rubbish which of course will go into landfill i think Yes, I think you're right. And that's just because they haven't got the people to drive the trucks, so they can't run so many trucks, I would guess. Connected to that, the Times. How I became an HGV driver. See Times 2. Now, that wouldn't be a particularly memorable headline, except that the picture they've got next to it is what can only be described as a young lady. Yes, yes. Now, interestingly on this, I uh, found a Twitter feed yesterday um, and it it went viral and it was a a lorry driver. He calls himself at the lorryist, if you want to look him up on Twitter. And he said, uh, he said, there's been so much talk about HGV driving um, in recent weeks. He was he live tweeted through an entire shift and he started, I think, at four o'clock in the morning and he decided described every step of the way and actually you think somebody like me thinks oh well they just hop in the cab and and drive off and drive to a supermarket and somebody else unloads it no actually when you when you read the full list of all the things he's responsible for all the things he has to do the fact that he has no help with most of it Mm. um it it actually puts a very, very different angle on the job of being an HGV driver and how it can be described as unskilled labour for all of these years, I do not know. I really mm. don't. It's uh, There's a lot of skill involved in what he does and it's no wonder really that they struggle to recruit more drivers. There's, there is a lot involved. Yeah, yeah, but uh, one of the things that I would think is probably not that involved these days is sheer brute strength. Yes. Because, um, you know, the, everything is power-assisted, so the actual driving of the truck does not take a huge amount of brute force at all these days. Um, so that's the only semi-valid reason I can think of for it being a, a, a male-dominated profession is that you need the strength in your muscles, not that I have particularly. But, uh, well... Um, you say that um, one aspect that he did go into a lot of detail on, he was delivering milk and he had, I don't know, five, six drops at various supermarkets. Now, you know, milk in supermarkets is in those big metal trolleys and mm-hmm. that's how they're loaded into the this articulated refrigerated lorry. Um But what they do is when they deliver, they collect the empty trolleys as well. They're a bit like pallets. There's a whole whole industry around that. But to keep the balance 
in the back of the truck, he can't oh, put yeah. all the empties on one side and the full ones on the other side. So the full ones are at the front near the cab. So every delivery, he has to take out all the empty trolleys get the milk out and then put all the empty trolleys back on and he doesn't have any help with that and it's because it's all just in time deliveries as well as soon as that milk is unloaded it goes straight onto the shop floor um mm. but but uh, he has no help <laughs> it's staggering. okay yeah so so maybe the brute force thing is is a little bit of a point but yeah. it's the only reason i can think of let, let me uh, give you a random memory many years ago i, I was uh, doing an event in a theater in bristol and the truck arrived we we were all gathered and waiting for the truck it was in the days when i used to push flight cases i don't do that anymore i'm way too old uh, but uh, this very long articulated lorry uh, came down this alleyway at the side of this theater in bristol with about um, maybe six inches to spare on either side um very um uh, calmly and uh, steadily with no messing about at all in reverse and then the driver's door opened and what can only be described as a girl got out i mean she was about five foot one mm. and um you know and turned hadn't had the slightest problems with uh, with the techniques or the confidence or anything and that was a good few years ago and when that was a very rare thing i would hope and trust that it's not such a rare thing now yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, let's not go into too much detail on the winter of discontent because it's <laughs> no. very, very grim reading. Something more colourful and uplifting on the front of The Guardian. Uh, top right-hand corner revealed the kings behind the drag race queens. And uh, these drag artists have really seen a, an uplift in their profiles over the last few years. Uh, largely, I would think, due to RuPaul's Drag Race, a, a programme I have never watched but you can't avoid it it's it's everywhere you know so of course i know all about it but i've never actually sat and watched it but uh, this is an article about the the pr people the marketing people the agents and the managers because it's not just of course about these stunningly beautiful drag queens mm. it's the people that have helped them to get their profiles raised uh, as much as they have over the last couple of years that's in g2 this morning yeah that's come a long way since the days of danny larue and hinge and bracket yes it has yes <laughs> although you they're know, great I, I, as well the, the hinge and bracket were wonderful and uh, i remember being in a radio studio with them sometime in the early 1980s and it was bizarre because i was the other side of the glass and i was looking at these two elderly men in uh, polo neck jumpers but i was hearing hinge and bracket yeah it's a very very strange experience <laughs> anyway to to the eye and i wonder whether the eye have slightly shot themselves in the foot here or maybe there's more to it than i'm thinking because the bottom right hand corner um the curse of a noisy colleague see page 35 and I had a funny sense of deja vu when I saw that. Oh, hang on. And can I refer the, the editors of the eye to yesterday's FT, mm -hmm. which in the top right-hand corner had the curse of a noisy colleague. See one of the pages inside. So are they saying the same thing? Have they just copy-pasted? Or is it a complete coincidence that they've come across the same sort of topic to, uh, to do an article about, mm. but not on the same day? 
Who knows? You'll have to go and buy the eye to find out. You'll have to go and buy yesterday's FT to find (laughs) out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also on the front of the eye this morning, investigation. UK using loophole to sell excess guns to regimes for crowd control. This is inside on page five. And what caught my eye was that they've put the term crowd control in inverted brackets, but they haven't put the t- the word regimes, and it's the word regimes which rung an alarm bell with me, because UK selling excess guns to, you know, I don't know, European governments or whatever, but the fact that they use the word regime, the, the word regime has sinister undertones for me. Mm. Um, uh, so I just wonder who they're selling them to. Um, that's inside on, on page five. It's a little bit of a worrying story, that one. Do we need to be yeah. selling our guns? Mm. And why have we got excess guns? Yeah. Yeah. And you're right about the word regimes, because uh, strictly it means any um, uh, any sort of system of government. I suppose, or words to that effect. But yes. uh, we take it to mean um, tin pot dictators, don't yes, we? Yes, <laughs> and, uh, and that yes. sort of thing. Yeah. Yes, mm, it's the difference. More to that than the it's the di- it's the difference between a, a respectable government, isn't it, and uh, <laughs> and one that's not treating its citizens. You know, if it was rubber bullets or something, or um, what are the things that squirt water? Water cannons. That's one thing. But guns. Hmm. Leaving aside your conjunction there of the words respectable and government, we'll move on, <laughs> shall we? Um, the, the Daily Telegraph have got an interesting one in the bottom right-hand corner. China property crisis sees stocks tumble. Apparently, there is a property crisis happening in China, which is affecting so many other places that it's putting the global recovery from COVID at risk, mm. according to the Telegraph. And um, the, there's la- big uh, stock exchange uh, falls in America the biggest decline since last November. And so, you know, China, you think of China as being this this sort of um, strictly controlled regime uh, and uh, just uh, coming out now and sort of building up to, to take over. But maybe it's already happened and everything is so interconnected now. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a very big investment company in China and talk that it might be in trouble and I can't remember the name of it so best I don't guess at this point but uh, some commentator was saying yesterday this business this company you're going to be fed up hearing about it because in a Mm. couple of weeks time it's going to be everywhere I think you may be referring to the same one as the Telegraph have actually named Evergrande that's the one and uh, yeah yeah, and they apparently have are in 300 billion dollars of debt that's two and a half HS2s. Yes, yes. Well, they do say, don't they, that if you owe the bank um, 500 quid or, you know, 5,000 yeah. quid, then you're in trouble. But if you owe them 300 billion, then it's the bank that's in trouble, isn't it, really? Yes, <laughs> yes it's an old saying, but it's so true, isn't it? <laughs> um, I'm going to take us back to the Times, actually, because the picture on the front page is absolutely stunning. And it's two visitors to the Chelsea Flower Show, uh, which opened yesterday. And it says the visitors were in tune with the move this year uh, from May to autumn and they've got these beautiful collars on which are made of all the autumn leaves and the uh, the the orange and red flowers of this time of year and it's an absolutely stunning picture and what a lovely change to have the Chelsea Flower Show in September I think they should do it more often
Hmm, I'm tempted to agree. Uh, I want to take you to the FT, uh, because the FT have succumbed to the lure of the pun. Oh. Yeah, yes, the FT. Yeah, they're talking uh, about, well, it's referred to page 23, so um, it doesn't matter what the article actually says, but it's about the uh, Australian-US-UK New Deal AUKUS, uh, which means that Australia will be building its own submarines and nuclear-powered ones, and France are not very happy about it. But uh, the headline that they've got, or the um, the pointer that they've got, on the top of the Financial Times, right in the middle of the top of the front page, Mellow Submarine. Oh, fantastic. And those are today's front pages. Thank you, sir. This is Bucks Breakfast.